and welcome back to the podcast of TechU. I am your host, Andre Degler. In our today's episode, I would like to share with you a conversation that I recorded back at the Tech Barbecue Conference in September in Copenhagen. And this one was with Marianne Hiltoft, the director of the Deep Tech Fund at PSV, that is a Pre-Seed Ventures. My name is Marianne. I'm the senior director of Pre-Seed Ventures. I am in charge of a new initiative, setting up uh, the first deep tech fund in Denmark, supporting early stage scientific startups. How was it the first, uh, first deep tech in Denmark, uh, deep tech fund in Denmark? I thought there, there were already some. No, there, 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 there's uh, nobody in Denmark yet. There, there's a couple in, in the Nordic. There's Voima out, out of Finland mm-hmm. and, and uh, there's uh, one or two in, in, in Sweden and, and, and Norway. So, so it will be the first focused deep tech fund in Denmark with, with a Nordic reach. Right. And uh, so what was the time frame and uh, how big the fund is going to be? What are the numbers? We are just starting working on it. So we are planning on closing it to Q4 next year. And the fund will be around 450 million Danish kroner. That's around 60 million euros. Right. And how about yourself personally? So what did you do before starting to work on all this? Yes, and I'm I'm a mechanical engineer as as a background. I love to work with robotics, but my dad said there was no future in it at that time. It's a couple of years ago, I must say. <laughs> and um, so I went a bit more into the commercial side. So I worked with the innovation strategy and management consultancy for some years. Then um, I uh, helped setting up uh, a social capital fund here in Denmark, which also was the first social capital fund, focusing on social startups. Um, then I was out a couple of years working as an early-stage investor, together with, with three other friends investing in a very early-stage startup. And then I joined a Venture Studio for four years, where I helped building five startups from the scratch and was the CEO of one of the startups for, for two years. Okay, this is really interesting. So what's, what's more interesting for you, the VC side or the entrepreneurial and builder side? Uh, that that's a good question because uh, you know how life is sometimes. You know it just takes you somewhere. I haven't planned that, but I've done a little bit full circle. I'm back at the technical university where I started many years ago, so uh, I think it's quite nice to have a broad view at it now because I do think when I sit in front of uh, founders that uh, as a VC, as an early stage VC, have a quite good idea of what they're going through as a team and. You know, how hard it is also the first couple of years and how have you have to balance the product and going to market and, and everything. So I think it, it, it have broadened my view on, on how to build, how to run a company and also being on, on the investment side. And just to make sure, so pre-seed ventures means that you are focusing on pre-seed stage startups. Yeah. So it's very early stage. It's very, very pre-seed and, and pre-seed have existed for almost 20 years. So we have a huge track record here in Denmark already. We have invested in 400 early stage startups. Um, out of them, uh, probably 15 to 20 percent have been in the deep tech area, but but our history where we've been very, very strong have, have been in the, in the software area. And we raised a fund last year that we just did the third closing on, on, on this year, which is around 400 million Danish kroner, which is going to continue investing in software and tech area. And then we thought, okay, we can't sit here and not do anything. <laughs> we need to do the next initiative. And that's why we, we decided to start focusing on, on the deep tech area and saying that's a focus that, that we need to take now. 
And uh, like I, I hear the word deep tech a lot, and uh, but it appears to me sometimes that uh, different people they just assign different meaning to this. So, what's your definition of uh, of deep tech? Uh, what are you looking for? Yeah, it's, it's it's quite a good question. You know, that isn't like if you look around, that is you know a very broad definition of of deep tech, and everybody uses it a, a bit 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 differently. But what we wanna wanna invest in because we have our first one doing the software and the tech, we'll wanna invest in. Startups that comes out of university that have IP that may be a bit more research based. It could also be people that have been out in the industry as some of our big strongholds, Novo Nordisk or Hello Topso. After many years there, go back and, and mm-hmm. decided to, uh, but very research and, and IP uh, driven. Um, then a lot of time it'll be a mix between a hardware with some software on 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 top of it, new materials. So it will be a combination of many different scientific area coming together. And I think right now in the world we see a pull. There have been many years where each of the enabling technologies under beneath have had many years to develop to a certain point, and we are at a tipping point now where they come together, and that's the beauty of it. Uh, suddenly you have hardware, you put some AI on top of it, and you have a software subscription service, and, you know, those. <laughs> uh, can you give me uh, maybe like a few good examples of the deep tech startups already coming from the Nordics uh, that you are watching? Yeah, so um, we have uh, Glycom coming from, from the Norbe- Nordics uh, that made uh, human milk for babies, so, you know, a big uh, impact area, area mm-hmm. also. We have uh, TreeShape, which is um, the um, scanner for dentists combined with, with, with software. We have uh, Gene Hydrogen, which is Power2X come, coming out of Denmark. We have the whole robotics industry areas that you know we are quite known for. We had some quite strongholds in Denmark, even that we are a little country. You know, within the sustainable and the green area, within healthcare area and with the robotics area. So as a deep tech fund out of Denmark, we also very much want to build on these strongholds where we already have. And then I think as as, as a country, um, I think in the world, we are number six when it comes to innovation and R&D for the little size of our country. That's pretty strong. And uh, we at, at Precede Ventures think that we can get more out of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, you know, real gold mine here to to get some more out of it. And um, as you know, a lot of time, the deep tech startups are struggling like mm-hmm. every other, but they might be struggling a little bit more trying to... Um, so we w- want to try and make the bet by bridging the valley between, let's say, the innovation, the deep innovation and the venture journey. So, because deep tech startup have sometimes a little bit longer journey than the beginning, and that's that gap we want to help them with. Do you think that uh, the pre-seed stage is the stage where uh, deep tech startups struggle most? Because uh, for me, I thought it, it's uh, something that comes a bit later. It's also later because uh, so for some of them, there's a big capital need. So, but for many of it is to getting off the ground, you know, quickly enough because a lot of time also the teams that we work with, of course, are so focused on the, on the product that they're developing. So the commercial journey, you know, sometimes it's a little bit difficult for us. So as an early stage investor, it's really important. You know, the technology we look into into the future is really important for us. Of course, we want to do make some breakthrough innovation. But the team, everybody's talking about the team. But I think in, in, in deep tech, the team is even more important because 
a lot of time you have maybe three engineering coming together and certainly, you know, they have a great product, but they need to go on the commercial journey and take it from the lab to the market. And, and that's where we really need to help them, you know, getting the right people on board, you know, with more commercial insight, getting the right board on board, getting them to understand also the, the venture journey. Because if I think if you look at the universities, a lot of um, the software startups, a lot of them come from the more commercial uh, universities. Mm-hmm. And then they got together and found a CTO and a program on that way. Where a lot of times deep tech startups, of course, come out from the more technical university. And unfortunately, I'm one of them that also started there. I have laid on in life, built on commercial skills and education. But I think there isn't that education. It's very much focused on building the product and the design and that stuff. So for us also, I think we have a little bit of responsibility to help them also educate that journey that you know could be good for their company to get on. It has such a nice and elaborate way of uh, saying that uh, the team that's a bunch of nerds just would not care about sales and commercialization at all. <laughs> I, I, I can say that because I'm a nerd myself. So, you know, I'm coming as a mechanical engineer. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so uh, yeah. And this brings me also to the topic of uh, this university and commercialization of research. Uh, so do you think uh, there is actually enough already being done on this? Because like, uh, from what I can see, and uh, I don't know a lot about Denmark, but in general in Europe, I think it's still a problem. There is still a whole lot of uh, research that uh, sits uh, on the proverbial university shelves and is not being commercialized. So uh, what, what do you think are the main challenges here? Or what do you think are the main solutions here? So I think, as I talked about before, some of the main challenges is to get them on the commercial road and get them to market. So, you know, they can't sit and hide too much. They need to get out, you know, a little bit earlier to try the product in the market. And that's where, you know, what we want to help them. So the commercial journey, I think that's, uh, yeah, where we, we, we need to, 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 to help them. But how about how about also the whole um, process of uh, spinning off a startup from the university? I think that's also not always easy, right? Because some universities they just have different requirements. In this case, they want uh, a bigger shares, uh, they want to have the IP, and so on and so forth. Yeah, you're you're completely right, and, and you know there's a whole political and framework things that we have to you know work with. You know, so we're gonna do ours to try and 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 move the the target here, but. But there's some political things here that we can't, you know, change from day number one. So we, of course, look at startups also. A lot of them, you know, comes and work together with the university. Maybe the university doesn't have the IP. I'm looking mm-hmm. at two startups right now and they have, you know, negotiated, have the IP. And of course, that's some of the things that we're also looking at. But then it's also getting to work more together with the universities and the technical department to try and figure out it's great that, that you do the IP, but it doesn't help. The startup is never going to be anything if you sit there on 50% of it. So so we have to have an open debate on the, what is good for us, what is good for, for the startup, and what's good for the university, and how do we create a win-win in this situation. Do you think and, we... and I do think it has changed a bit because, you know, okay. I know from the last five years, I do think there's a movement. There's still a lot that can be done in that area, but but there's a movement in, in the right di- uh, direction. Yeah, that's great to hear. But do you think we can also, I know, come up with... a a kind of framework that would be applicable to at least most of the universities, like how this should be done? Like, is there anything uh, uh, going in that direction, do you think? I think, you know, as ever, each university do their own way. Yeah, exactly. And and that could be good from the government to also help stepping in and, and doing some kind of overall political framework. I think if you look to the States, you know, it's a bit more commercialized in, in, in the States compared to mm-hmm. the Nordic. 
and and that have some ad- advantages sometimes uh, also for getting more money and and, and more investment uh, in so I think we can look a bit abroad here in Denmark and 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 get get some some best tips and tricks uh, especially from the states to look at uh, how how they 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 are doing it and what's your general take on the nordic ecosystem because you you've been a part of this ecosystem for many years now so how do you how do you see it maturing and what do you think are the best like the most prominent verticals let's say in nordic ecosystem and denmark in particular I think Denmark in particular have, you know, huge stronghold within three areas. It's our green tech area and the whole sustainability uh, agenda. I think really we 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 can take that. We've showed before we have Vestas, Ørsted, Grundfos, Denmark, which is huge companies today uh, in, in in Denmark. So we need to build some of the next companies uh, like like them. Then we have the healthcare area with Novo Nordisk and, and, and these uh, guys which is also a very, very strong hole in Denmark, and then the robotic area. So those two, I think, are, are very strong areas that we need to build some of the future deep tech uh, startups with, within. Um, and then I think maybe the mindset about deep tech, um, the, if, if you look back, I think a lot of time when I speak to people, it's like um, they're a bit in the past, it still takes a long time you know, to get deep tech to the market and to scale them and to make unicorns. Of course, that is still going to be the case. But I do think people are talking a bit about history and are talking about data 10 years ago. Because if we look at some of the new data coming up, and you had McKinsey here mm. yesterday uh, presenting, I don't know if you were there, and you, but, but some of them, if you look at the deep tech area, for example, now if you look at the unicorns coming out of Europe, then it shows that for the deep tech area, it only takes 8.5 years now to, to, to get to that area. So, so we are also at a tipping point where before it took 10 and 15 years, and of course some deep tech are still going to take that, but there's a, a huge maturity in this area that means that we can see you and I, we're using technology that two years ago was a bit in the lab, and now we're using it in our daily life. So, so the speed to market is much higher now, and that makes that you are also going to see much more you know, unicorns and exit within the deep tech area that maybe sometimes in Europe are not all over the place because it's very much one one agenda sometimes, you know, uh, that, that that takes place. So I'm very much looking forward to and hoping to see that in the next three to five years. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. And then again into our whole impact agenda in the world, mm-hmm. you know, seeing the responsibility we all have and we're talking a lot about it, about... You know the environment about our health crisis and, and everything. We just had the the, the corona, the pandemic. Uh, we saw BioNTech for many years, and suddenly, you know, they they came and helped us. So I, I really think that you know deep tech is also going to come more on the table now because we need to get our act together. We need to focus on deep tech for the next twenty to thirty years to solve some of these a bit deeper problems that we have in, 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 in the world that software can help with, but where deep tech is going to be the big driver in making these impacts. Right. Thanks so much, Marianne. So I think I have run through all my questions, but if there is anything that you wanted to add that I didn't ask about, uh, go ahead. This is, uh, this is the time. I think uh, when, when I look at Europe and you talked about Denmark compared to Europe, you can see right now that the deep tech funds in Europe are really taking off. So there's a 25% um, increase every year in deep tech funds out of Europe. And I think that in the Nordic, you know, we need to get started, you know, being a bit more focused, you know, on, on, on that area too and create some more deep tech funds out of the Nordic. 
Thank you so much. Thanks a lot for joining today. And uh, thanks for taking the time and good luck with everything uh, you're doing at Precy Adventures. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. And this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like our show, follow us today wherever you listen to podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineering is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Please send them to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andrew Daigler, and I will talk to you again very soon. For now, take care and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye-bye.